and we're going to pick up on a theme that uh, I was, uh, well, I've been developing in my times with you, and specifically, last time we turned to Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to turn back there this morning. Um, we had some technical problems, uh, in addition to the fact that this is such a uh, complete chapter here for our thoughts that we would never cover it in one session, and uh, our topic is to whom will you bow, our theme, to whom will you bow? And I think we're probably mostly familiar with this chapter, uh, which is the only complete incident in the book of Daniel devoted to Daniel's three friends, who we commonly know by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, their Hebrew names, which were beautiful uh, names of glory to God, you know, Hananiah, the grace of the Lord, and Mishael, who is like the Lord, and Azariah, the Lord is my helper. Uh, be great if we memorized those Hebrew names, wouldn't it? Instead of the Babylonian names that Nebuchadnezzar gave them as a means of uh, showing his ownership over them, his control, reprogramming them, brainwashing them, if you will, when he brings them into Babylon. And then in chapter 3, even though these men by the end of cha Daniel chapter 2 have reached a status of being over the affairs of the province of Babylon, and yet, of course, they're under this tyrannical king, this impulsive king, Nebuchadnezzar, and there certainly is some jealousy in his court. And so even though Daniel and his friends have gone out of their way to spare the lives of the other wise men, they now bring, these other wise men now bring a false accusation in chapter 3. And we thought about that last time. We thought about these men and the fact that they wouldn't bow. Now you can go back and listen to that devotional if you'd like. So we'll progress from there. And you might wonder, you know, why are we talking about this this passage in a prayer meeting where our focus is on prayer. Well, there is any mention of prayer in Daniel chapter three, like there is in chapter two, which we had covered previously, when Daniel had received extra time from the king, remember when their lives were threatened uh, because of the failure of the other wise men to tell the king his dream and its interpretation so when Daniel had extra time, verse 17 of chapter 2, he went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And they prayed, and God supplied the answer. And he supplied them with wisdom, with prophecy to share with the king, to interpret his dream. And they not only lived, but they were promoted, as I said. Now, in chapter 3, uh, Daniel is not present. You say, where was Daniel? Well, the, probably the best answer I've ever heard is he was uh, away speaking at a Bible conference, uh, perhaps to some of the other Jewish uh, captives already in Babylon by this time. Chapter 3 takes place probably after Nebuchadnezzar has conquered Jerusalem in 586 BC and destroyed the temple. 
He's at a high point and he's had ample time to forget the lessons of humility that he was taught in the end of chapter two. And uh, in fact, the praise that he had lavished upon the Lord God at the end of chapter two. And so here he is compelling now everyone to worship an image that in essence represents him and his kingdom. And the three friends of Daniel who are focused in this chapter Remember, they wouldn't bow and they wouldn't bend when the king gave them a second opportunity. He called them in before them and told them, if you're ready at the time, verse 15 of Daniel chapter 3, that you hear the sound of the horn flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. Gave them a second chance. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? To whom will you bow? These men wouldn't bow and they wouldn't bend. Now, I said this is a funny passage to use for a prayer meeting because there's no prayer in the chapter, as we saw in chapter two. Oh, I'm, but you know what? I'm sure that there was. <laughs> I think we can infer that based on the practice of these men in chapter two, there were probably prayer meetings before and after these meetings, these confrontations with Nebuchadnezzar by these men who, who just decided they wouldn't bow and they wouldn't bend. To whom will you bow? Will you bow in prayer to the one true Lord God? Uh, oh, I'm sure that answer is affirmative for everyone here because the fact that you're taking time today to be here, uh, to be part of this prayer meeting. But the culture all around us, just as it was in the days of Daniel's friends, is, is, is not just inviting us, but demanding us, is it not, to bow down, uniformity, unanimity, to bow down everyone all together in the same way at the same time uh, to its demands. And as the people of God, we simply say, we have to ask ourselves, to whom will we bow? Are we gonna bow down in unanimity? Are we gonna bow down in agreement to what God has declared is no God at all? is no truth at all, is in fact evil and wicked in light of his eternal truth, or will we bow only to the true Lord God of heaven and earth, the God who the creator of all things, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who became also man to be our savior? Will we bow to the one triune God of eternity? To whom will we bow? Well, these men had made their decision, hadn't they? They wouldn't bow and they wouldn't bend. And of course, you know the last phrase of that uh, alliterated outline, they wouldn't burn. And we find that in the end of the chapter. And we, again, can only infer that these men must have gone back home and had a prayer meeting between verse 18 and verse 19. And here's, here was their heart. They had hoped 
to be preserved from the fire. Now, could God have preserved them from the fire? He could have. He could have worked out the circumstances here so they never got to the fiery furnace. He didn't do that. They believed that he could if he so willed. They knew that God could deliver them through the fire. And we know, of course, ultimately, that's what happened. There was a miraculous deliverance through the fire. But here's the key, friends. They were willing, if need be, to be consumed in the fire, by the fire. And that is the, that is the situation before us in our time, isn't it? We may be called by God, some of us, and I know we're talking with people here from various parts of the world, but many of the challenges are the same across, I know, many of our nations and cultures in our time. We may be called upon, even in our lifetimes, to face this challenge where we will have to be willing to be consumed in the fire. And that being a possible consequence, if we're unwilling to bow to the demands of culture, but we make that choice to bow only to the Lord God, knowing he can deliver us. Praise the Lord. I think for everyone here, we would probably all testify this morning to this point. He's delivered us from any fires. And if we are ever called upon to be in one, we hope he delivers us through the fire. But we're willing, if it comes down to it, if it's a choice of to whom will we bow, we're willing to be consumed in the fire. Because we bow only to our God. And so Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, he's like the man of Proverbs who has no control over his spirit. He's impetuous. He's impulsive. He was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Now that may act that may be an idiom for just making it very hot. It may actually be a technical reference. They may have actually had the technology to do that. And uh, I won't go into any details on what this furnace may have been like, but it's it, the record here is very much in line with uh, historically what seems to be the what could have been there in Babylon where they would have been thrown down into this furnace sort of below ground. Uh, but notice because of Nebuchadnezzar's rage that he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And verse 22, because of his rage, it cost him the lives of these good servants of his. Uh, you know, just absolutely, he's just absolutely out of control. Uh, one interesting point is in verse 21, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you know, they never disrespected, even, even in this circumstance, they never disrespected the king. Did you notice they came in full uniform? I bet that's what they were like when they stood, when they refused to bow earlier in the chapter. They came in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, full uniform, fully decorated. And they stood proud and tall when they were commanded to bow. And they did the same when they're being cast into the fire. And what we're going to see, and I'll let you and hope you will read, 
the whole chapter again and the end of the chapter particularly that we're talking about here you know the end of the story don't you friends because what's going to happen is these men fall down into the burning fiery furnace and in verse 24 king nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire they answered and said to the king true o king and look he answered i see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of god and we believe although Nebuchadnezzar certainly at this point did not fully understand this, this may be a pre-incarnate Christophany and appearance of Christ. There's more we can say about that. Uh, and we know that God, our God is a consuming fire and he can deliver his people out of the fire through the fire. And we could turn to a number of passages. I'll let you chase those in your study Bible or commentator as you read this passage later search the scriptures and see if these things are so but then nebuchadnezzar verse 26 went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying shadrach meshach and abednego servants of the most high god come out and come here then shadrach meshach and abednego came from the midst of the fire and all the other officials, verse 27, saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Now that's a deliverance through the fire, isn't it? You know, when we get in a situation like this, whether there's serious consequences or more, more simple consequences, as we've been used to, many of us, especially here in the United States, God is not guaranteeing he will deliver us miraculously like he did here. Uh, but he is able to deliver us completely. And, and when we bow only to him, then we can place our dependence totally on him and leave the outcome with him it, now if we start manipulating that and try to bow to those in authority who require us to disobey the lord god then then we're on our own aren't we but if we will trust in him we may not be surprised when he delivers us totally like these men who according to Hebrews 11 verse 34 quenched the violence of fire they were willing to be consumed in it but God delivered them through it and when we will bow only to him then we can place our trust in him and even if he chooses as they said not to deliver us we pray that our lives will bring glory to him alone Dr. John Whitcomb said it like this our God is at home in the fire our God was there. Their trust overpowered their fear. And we may be sure of this friend, he said, their whole purpose for living on this earth was accomplished through their testimony at this crisis moment. 
It's been my joy to uh, be your speaker today. Again, I'm Paul Scharf with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And uh, I so appreciate Stephen and Rick and their work here on Sermon Audio and their work with this prayer meeting. And uh, my contact is here on sermonaudio.com slash P Scharf, my last name. And I pray that this devotional today uh, will be used of God to increase your faith by the thoughts that we've considered from his word this morning. 